Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, joined by my friend Tom Jacobs. As always, Tom, how are we doing this week? Yeah, good. Yeah, I uh, didn't quite have the run at the Irish Open I'd have liked. Um, Shane Lowry played well, so that was nice to, to immediately get put into touch on that uh, that take. Um, although he did climb about four places after he even finished. Um but yeah, I mean, look, it was one of those events that no one particularly wanted to win, right? And as uh, as Vincent Norman said, he he had some coffee and started uh, striping it. So, you know, it worked for him. Um, you talked up Vincent Norman a decent amount. I think we kind of come to the conclusion that, look, Aberg is the better player, but there's not that much difference between the two in terms of skill set and, and potentially upside. So, um, you know, it's, it's a clear indication that he's a, a really strong player and Great to see him win such a big event. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was as typical or as classic of a DP World Tour weekend as they come, yeah. where the predictable of who was going to like get into the mix of a Rory, of the Horschel, of the Min Woo, even the Norman, like like nothing was a surprise from that end. Maybe the back nines of Billy and Rory, but the collapse around the leaderboard was was just putrid, right? In, in, in some ways, um, anybody that weekend could have taken advantage. And I wouldn't even say Norman, like, really put in. I mean, it was a deserving win, obviously, but like, so many guys could have gotten to 14 on Saturday, let alone well, I think Sunday. It wasn't 13 under leading after two rounds anyway. So yeah, yeah, like they only would have had to literally go one under to be in the playoff and. Like, it's very easy to look back at that retrospectively. They had weather delays and things like that. But, like, it was amazing. It was it was really amazing in, in the sense of poor from Orschel, from McElroy, from Jordan Smith, who you kind of expect it from. Ryan Fox, I thought, was pretty disappointing. He was in the pole position even with six holes to go. So, um, yeah, look, Norman set the score and somehow no one beat it. I mean, he was shocked as anyone, I think, that that was the case. So, um, yeah. It, it is what it is, and it's another DP World Tour event out of the way, and uh, we've we've now got a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Now the one that really reminded me of of a really good player coming over in the double field was when Garrett Higo won the the Palmetto, his first PJ. That was exactly what it reminded me of. Like yeah. still quality player in an opportunity that made a lot of sense. Everyone fell back. He took advantage. So. Good on Norman um, to get that W, and um, good on the entire European Ryder Cup team on showing up to Wentworth this week. Um, I think as we speak, they're in Rome, uh, and Marco Simone practicing, getting ready, and then the entire team, all 12 of them, coming over to uh, play Wentworth, the BMW PGA Championship, the flagship event of the DP World Tour. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have the same DFS contest that we've got in the last couple of weeks. A lot of that does, as we've seen, revolve around the schedule of the other sports around the world versus what the big events may be on the DP World Tour, right? So with NFL back, with the Fortinet Championship happening in Napa, BMW PGA doesn't get the same like of what we had for 100K or 50K the last two weeks. So this will be our sole show uh, of the week. So we'll talk through a few more guys specifically our, our guys in the betting cards too, as we preview the entire event um, on this Monday. So yeah. off the top of it, Wentworth, um, if you aren't familiar, if you're not a DP World Tour follower, Tom, do you mind cluing in a little bit, maybe event history slash kind of course fit overall? Yeah, look, it's it's an event that really does reward the best player in the field. And that's what you want from a golf course. You don't want one that's just exclusively for big hitters. You don't want one that just, you know, sets up these kind of wedge fests, right? It's a, it's a true test where, T to green matters. Just like last week, greens and regulation has really been an indicator of, of the winners, right? For the last five have ranked inside the top three uh, in greens and regulation with two of those leading the field. And interestingly, scrambling has been really important here. And if anyone has been to Wentworth or maybe is listening from the UK, like you can see why you go up to some of these green complexes when you're walking around and you can see how, one, how easily missed it is and two, how it, you know, it is important to get up and down. So, Three of the last five winners went with led the field in scrambling and all five of them are ranked inside the top nine. So scrambling is really key. Um, it, you know, it's a Parkland test. It's one where you do get rewarded for accuracy. You do get rewarded for just an overall skill set. And I don't think there's there's nothing too like tricked up about it. You hear a lot of players that 
that kind of get fed up and you know a bit uh, despondent after a couple of days because it's just it's a difficult golf course and it, and it rewards those people to play well but when you look at who's won here and you know you look at Lowry, Horschel, Hatton, Rory, Norren, Molinari like it's the best of the best. Luke Donald used to win here all the time when he was you know in you know top of the world and it it does just reward. Colin Montgomery used to win it all the time back in the day so it rewards those best players at the best time and I think ultimately you do need to have had a look at it now some of my picks may not you know lean that way but I think course experience and really a top finish kind of top 10 top 15 in the past is really going to suit those uh, looking to win this week so I do put a little bit of emphasis on course uh, experience and history yeah we have seen similar guys show up over and over again I think the two likes one two of my favorite wins here one your favorite player in the world I think Mateo Manassaro won it on debut um, and then Byung-Han Ann um I think it was six years ago now when he won uh, on debut. And I kind of think of almost that Ben Ann type, like it's a claustrophobic type of place where fairways and greens are what matters. Um, Don't necessarily think it can be overpowered, but a good driving week is, is, you know, crucial in in some ways. And, um, you know, the Molinari types kind of fit right in with that Ben Ann type. Um, So that's kind of my approach. And I, and I agree Overall, when you look at this, right, there's not that many shockers of of winners or guys in the mix, right? There wasn't a surprise when Billy Horschel had won a few years ago. I think that is a type of fit for him and a type of event that elevates. Last year, um, 54 holes, right, with Lowry winning. um, And the live guys, I had forgotten when back looking through it, man, that was the big story, right? You had the Gooch, the Reed, uh, a few of those guys up into the mix, too. So, Classical DP World Tour elevated event with all the team being here, plus um, a couple different PGA guys that we'll we'll hit on. Um, but moving into the odds, we start with the big trio that represents you know the DP World Tour or the European Ryder Cup team in Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy, and John Rahm, all floating between six and a half to to eight to one up for Rahm. Um, a clear big three. Victor plays like he did at Eastlake and what he did at the BMW, um, he wins this thing by a mile, right? Like he has that in his bag of tricks. For me, um, we're ending up into the 20s. Tom, was there any thought of somebody up here? Uh, I was just hoping for a touch bigger on Victor Hovland. Like if there was 10 to 1 about Hovland, I might have actually taken it just because he's been 11th and 5th in two of his three starts here. And Look, he was the 36-hole leader last time. And then, as you said, it got shortened to 54 holes and his final round 70 wasn't enough to, to keep him in the mix. But you don't know what would have happened if it had gone the full 72. So I really do think he's kind of capable of winning. Interesting enough, like Billy Horschel had to finish fourth before winning here. McElroy fifth before winning here. Molinari second before winning here. Uh, Willett third, before, third and fifth before winning here. So I, I do think... If you're going to go to that top of that market, you need someone that's kind of got the form. And luckily, like all three of those we've spoken to have, like John Rahm's got two seconds, Rory's got a win, and Hovland's got those three event, uh, three starts we just said. So I couldn't put anybody off. The closest for me of the real top, and I'm having a hard time leaving him out, but it's Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, but he's 18 to 1, which seems pretty decent on the face of it. And he's got a lot of experience here um, for someone that's you know still relatively young. Like he's got seven starts here, seventh and eighth, or twelfth or twentieth. He's really been in the mix multiple times. He was thirty-six hole leader when he was seventh. He was um, there again, like inside the top ten for most of the week when he was eighth. I, I just can't get it out of my head, Sky. That that kind of collapse. Uh, Crans. And I know you shouldn't, you know, overreact to one performance from one person, but with that, with kind of maybe the uh, Ryder Cup on the horizon, he's just got engaged literally yesterday or the day before as well. So, like, he's, you know, some people, you know, tell it as a positive fine, but like, there's a lot going on in Matt Fitzpatrick's world right now that suggests that why would anything change about what he's done at Wentworth so far, which is contend but not win. So, um, that was where I was at at the top of the board. Yeah. Um, Fitzy, interesting. I think if I'm thinking of prototypical for me, if that range, like this is a Tommy lad through and through type of yeah. type of test, right? Um, talk about questions on but winning, of course. Like only one top ten. Like 
Yeah, because that, that was what I was really surprised about Fleetwood. Like I, I wanted to back him. When you actually look, you know, retrospectively, like 13th, he was actually fourth off the 54 holes, and it's basically a top 10. And 12th, I guess you could almost, you know, one shot here or there is is a top 10, and he has got the sixth. But I was surprised at someone of his caliber and, and standing in the game. Like a lot of those times, he would have been in this range in the market and, and never quite delivered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and why I think it's it's fair to start our betting cards down there um, a little bit deeper, which in this range, right, Shane Lowry, defending champion there, Tyrrell Hatton, also the winner that you had mentioned, and then um, mid-20s um, comes Midwoo Lee, and two guys that um, really jump out to me. I'll start with the shorter one, and, um, you know, it's classic to, to talk through the biggest um, winner of the last few weeks, the, the Ryder Cup um, captain selection, Ludwig Aberg, um, showing up at Wentworth for the first time after the biggest roller coaster probably that he's he's going to go through emotionally um, this past couple of months. And for me, what stood out overall is we had a discussion after the fact about the course fits in which he has done so well at. Yeah, I, I'm really starting to think the he is the best driver of the golf ball on the planet potentially right there with the likes of Rory who, who has one um, here, like you mentioned, and has had success and at a place that even those that may have the distance could be taken away from them. His is built all around just pure distance off the tee, right? He is such a good driver of the golf ball that he's going to play this course differently than many have just like he did um, at Crans. And if he has to take a little off the tee, he's still going to be playing a more accurate club from a longer distance than anybody else is going to be. So Wyndham Championship, his best finish on the PGA Tour. John Deere Classic, his second best finish. The win at Crans, his three best events so far as a professional golfer have all come on events in which you would say this doesn't set up for somebody who is a bomber off the tee, correct? So yeah. that's my argument when looking at him is what's the best comparable? Because winning that event is is almost like like what would have Hovland been this price if he shows up, you know, a year out of turning school. He didn't really hit on the success. It's yeah. like almost like I don't know. I feel like it's still in a price discovery range for Aberg. Niall uh, Lyons had wrote this morning, um, like he could be of the likes of the Rory Rom Hovland group a year from now if if what we think of his career happens. So I'm still willing to take the chance. A back-to-back win is a lot, but man, I, I think there's just a little bit hidden in the way he could attack this course. So I agree with pretty much everything you've said. Uh, my my concern the whole time was can he put four rounds together which until grands he didn't like he put three together and one really bad one and got himself out of contention right then it was okay he does a lot off the tee but his irons are not great well three of the last five starts he's been 11th in the field and in the last two he's been 25th and second so he, he's he's finding his iron play and it was brilliant at crams and i think it goes to that point sky that you're saying and, and you talk about players that club down and sort of benefit from that and I think of, I mean, these are these are pretty extreme cons, but I'm thinking of like Dustin Johnsons and the and the Gary Woodlands who have done that in the past on the PJ Tour. Like every time you hear about them, that oh, they'll they'll kind of club down and they'll benefit from that, and they do. And look, I think you, you mentioned there of what he could be thought of in a year from now. I think the very obvious comp is Victor Hovland. I don't think he's going to go out and win a major next year, but I don't see why he wouldn't finish 12th or 13th like Victor did as an amateur in the U.S. Open, and then you know, you know, two top 15 pretty quickly in, in majors and then two or three years on really contend in, in majors, you know, three or four times. So I see that kind of career path for Aberg where he goes and wins on the PGA Tour pretty quickly next year, maybe in a lower grade event. Um, can he win this? I don't see why not. Like he is considered amongst the 12 best European players and that's what he's competing against this week. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, we'll come on to, to who I've gone for in that kind of similar train of thought. Um, but I don't see any negatives around Aberg at the moment. I think it's, I guess the one thing is, is he going to finally just relax after making a team? But I, I don't think this is the week he's going to do so. 
Yeah. And that you look at his accuracy numbers, the worst accuracy event for him this year, he was 3% to the negative side of the field average. Right. So to, and this is his professional, right. And, and yeah. I mean, in the likes of the RBC Canadian Open, and that was a little claustrophobic there a little bit. He was 15% better than the driving accuracy average when you looked at that week. At the Wyndham Championship, he was 10% above the average. There's just a lot to like when you can be that good, accurate. And if you compare the irons, and I just think, I don't know. I mean, who? it's hard because we have a decade of, of the other three guys, but man, I want Aberg to go out five rounds more than I would do Fitz, more than I want Lowry, oh, more, yeah, Her, probably like, more than I want Hatton to, to yeah, do it, I, right? Like all three of those players, I would take. And look, I hope that I think we've kind of mentioned this. Like I, I think he's going to go out of Rory on day one, and if he plays well, that's going to be the team. Like yeah. he needs to go with an experienced head, and why not put him with the best player in the world, and you know let their their kind of skill sets match up. So. um I think the only negative you can say about Aberg, which we're going to have to overcome on our next pick that we're aligning on, like he hasn't played yet. Like that's the only yeah. one. And, and I don't see this natural fit where he would have gone and played with like a Henrik Stenson or, or whatever. Like, I don't know who's going to be the one that guides him around, but I'm assuming one of the Ryder Cup guys will, will take him under his wing. And if he goes with a Fleetwood or a Rory, what else does he need to learn? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so that was the one to me when I thought, okay, there's some price opportunities still. Yeah. Now, after kicking myself after losing out on Norman last week, which felt, I don't want to say obvious, no selection is ever obvious, but made a lot of sense on the classic side of things in which we, we think of a PGA Tour guy coming over, especially at a price like that. Now, at a price of 28 to 1, it can be a little bit of a different discussion, but I couldn't dream of a better course fit for Tom Kim. So, Tom, you can expand on that because this is where we both align here at 28 to 1. Yeah, like I think with Tom Kim, the it really showed up when he finished eighth at the US Open. This is when this kind of reignition of form started, right? Uh, he finished what 30th at Travelers shortly after or the following week and shot 64 or 65 there. He did miss the cut um, at the Rocket Mortgage, but not too concerned about that. It's not his type of golf course. He then goes over to Scotland. He was second after 54 holes and finishes sixth. We know what he did at the Open Championship. He finishes second, getting better every round. Um, and then, look, he started the St. Jude Championship really well. Um, he was second after round one, third after round two. This was off the back of the ankle injury that he'd had at Open Championship. He had to skip the Wyndham the week before. He was still sixth going into the final round and then just fell away to 24th. And then he had a slow start to the BMW. Again, you could probably factor in potentially the, the ankle injury. And then he finishes 66-63. So although he had a, a relatively disappointing tour championship where he finished 17th in the 72-hole scoring, I've been so impressed with Tomkins since the US Open. And, and like you said, I don't think there's a better course fit. And whilst he hasn't seen the golf course, and that was the negative I gave to, to Ludwig Aberg, we've seen Tomkin travel everywhere. And, well, you know, we've already seen Aberg winning grands and things like that. But, like, this is Kim, who's won in Korea, won in Japan, won on the PGA Tour all very quickly. Um, and I just think he'll relish the opportunity. And he's the one player at the top of the market that has no distractions zero like there's this yeah. is his event he's he's here to win it he's driving accuracy was he 10th on the pga tour this past season um and that's with a you know kind of pretty rough period he was 15th in strokes going to approach 26 t to green scrambling was was you know average so that could potentially be improved on but i just think tom kim no distractions loves traveling um should be healthier than he has been over the last four or five starts he's still been playing pretty well I think there's still some hidden form in Tom Kim, and I think at 28 to 1, we're getting a good price. This is this is a price you generally typically see him at on the PGA Tour. And yeah, I know yeah. that you've still got the Rory Rahm, the Hovlands, and the Fleetwoods, et cetera, ahead. But what you haven't got is that depth of PGA Tour talent below. So you start going into some of the picks we're going to make later on. They're not comparable to the, I don't know, the Steven Yeagers or whatever, the, 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 the kind of depth piece is going forward. So um, I'm, I'm really excited about Tom Kim this week. Yeah, that, that was, to me, have, had to be the first first selection that yeah. came on the betting cards. So um, overall, super, super excited for Tom Kim. And in an event like this, 
I don't want to overcomplicate things in the way that I approach it and saying it's going to be a certain pedigree that's going to win because I'm not of the belief that um, that has to be the case. Uh, I mean, you can say, you know, Brian Harmon won, won the, you know, open championship yeah. and, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that happen in, in big time events, but man, it feels solidifying having a card like we've started or will continue here a little bit differently than a typical DP world tour week. Um, you're grabbing um, somebody next in the 40s. I think I have um, out to 50s. So when we look through the the other range here, um, when it comes to like overall odds boards, guides that either, I don't know, don't scream to me, like a Billy back 943 was very shocking yesterday. I was, I was close. Yeah. I was close again, though. Because I, I kind of don't really care about nine holes. I, I know I've kind of ruled out Fitzpatrick on that, but Fitzpatrick is 18, whereas Billy is 33. And, you know, ultimately how much different is there in terms of quality between the two players and and the difference being that Horschel's finished fourth and first to uh, start this golf course are better than Fitzpatrick's ever put together at Wentworth over the years. So um, I was really tempted by him. I was concerned a little bit, I guess, about the back nine, but I think he's got a pretty short memory, Horschel. And I think where he was six months ago and where he is now, um, is a completely different player and ultimately like you're looking at you know someone that's in good form coming back to a course he loves and for some whatever reason he relishes playing these DP World Tour events he really loves being over here so um yeah I, I was close but didn't get there yeah um you could make a similar argument for Justin Rose's form um really really good irons for a consistent period of time Min Woo just seems to be somebody that he, he's so this... back to the driver uh, yeah, it's it's like a difference of, you know, him versus Aberg is is very different to me when we, get, when we look at the course fits. Yeah. Um, and then um, we kind of have the, the duo of, or I guess the trio, I guess we'll include, um, Norman, last week's winner, the snub of Adrian Moronk, and your selection here of the final captain's pick um, of Nikolai Hoygaard. Tell us why you think Hoygaard, like Aberg, suits up nice here. Yeah, so I think I think this is another one that, like your point that you made, that people will look at Nikolai Hoygaard and think it's not necessarily the best golf course for him. He needs a, a and of course where he can drive the ball better. But you look over the last few weeks, driving hasn't been the best thing for Nikolai Hoygaard. It's you know, it is an asset of his and it is probably the reason why he's on the Ryder Cup team. But he doesn't rely on that now. Like he's hitting his irons really well and and the the current form. Like I remember Luke Donald saying like. This is one of the form players in the world. And I thought that was a little bit of a stretch, but it's hard to actually argue when you look back at it. Like he was 21st at the Rocket Mortgage, where he was 11th after 54 holes. He was 6th at the Scottish Open. He was 23rd at the Open Championship. He was 11th after 54 holes. Uh, he was 14th at the Wyndham Championship. And then he goes back to back to solidify his uh, captain's pick with a third at the Czech Masters and a fifth at Crans. Now, the one thing missing from there and has been missing from the year is a win. Um, the, the other negative is, is this the right course fit? But looking at his um, debut here in 2021, he was 10th after 54 holes, got better after every round, 22nd, 14th, 10th, and then just struggled on Sunday. And this is a player that was still relatively green at the time. Um, and he had just won the week before at the Italian Open. So there's probably a little bit of fatigue kicking in there. There's a little bit of, you know, struggling to go back to back. He's now coming into this in great form, great confidence. He's got his pick. And I think he'll be now it's a case of and a little bit like what Larry did last week is, OK, I've got my pick now, but I have to prove that I actually deserve to play. Um, you know, McIntyre will be in the same position like I'm on the team, but am I going to start at any point? Yeah. And I think that Hoygaard can really prove that and show why he should match up well with another partner by playing really well at Wentworth. And it's a good test to see, good litmus test, I think, to see where Hoygaard is in his career, uh, which I think is is getting closer to the, not the elite, but not far off. Yeah. I think a, a week off the Irish Open for, for him and Ludwig were, were very wise decisions yeah. to, to rest up, be able to go to Rome here with the team, show back up, um, and absolutely uh, can understand that side of it. For me, um, I go a little bit deeper, and if I emulate what I think Tom Kim has a course fit, it's hard for me, even though the middling to lack of success so far at Wentworth 
to not see Aaron Rye be a quintessential selection. Led the field in, in fairways last week, led the field in greens and regulation last week. That combination is going to absolutely play at Wentworth. Best finish for him, 14th, was really never sniffing too much of a leaderboard. He had, uh, a, I think he was six after the first round one year when he missed the cut as well. Another tw- top 30 finish the, the year prior to that, but really nothing to hold your hat on. But if you think of what Aaron Rye can do is exactly what he did last week. Lead yeah. them both, and you hope to have the putter follow suit. Um, he's somebody that I would trust and really think is a quintessential type of course fit. And at 55 to one, you mentioned the lack of distractions for Tom Kim. I don't hate that angle for Aaron Rye too. You could argue he is potentially, um, I guess, of the European players, um, the the highest on the boards. You know, I guess what it's Min Woo, Adam Scott, Billy, Tom Kim, and, and Aaron Rye really 50 below that don't have spite or things forward for them. So I think Rye just shows up to play a great event and, and fits it um, as, as well as I could uh, come up with for Wentworth. So to be honest, like, I think I've like overlooked Rye a little bit, if I'm honest. Like, I, I was on Rye and a couple of times back end of the PGA Tour season, or definitely talked about him, but I've bet him that many times. But I was definitely pushing for him to kind of be in that Ryder Cup discussion. And then I think because he kind of lit down in that respect, I... I sort of looks away from him but when I say course form it's really more course experience that you need at Wentworth so the fact that he's got that kind of 26th place finish which was pretty middling didn't break 70 the fact that he got that 68 to be eighth after round one before missing the cut the fact that he's finished 14th uh you know getting better every day two years ago I actually think that's a huge plus and then you add in the fact he was second in strokes going to approach second in T's green in Ireland and and actually he's probably a really solid pick and someone that at maybe doesn't belong in the 50 to one maybe maybe closer to adam scott at 40s one i think yeah i mean i think the data and the true numbers say like rye should have been a selection on on the Ryder cup team right if you just look at if you just looked at like strokes gain total for the last 24 months right like which isn't tell the whole story but uh especially at a course like what marco simone will be even though he had there, hadn't he? I think he'd finished like top 10 there in the past as well. So that was the thing, or maybe it was Bjork, one of the two. I looked at like Bjork and Ryan thinking like their course fits weren't good and they'd had a top 10 at the course. It might have been Bjork thinking about it, but like I agree with you. Like I agree with him you're saying. Like I think the, the, the data suggests that Aaron Rye is a better player than we give him credit for. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I think Axis and Data Golf both they have Aaron Rye uh, 57th in the world there, which, you know, is incredibly strong and irons were phenomenal last week. The the courses in which he's excelled at on the PGA Tour, that claustrophobic Canadian Open, Rocket Mortgage, which was, you know, Donald Ross, not accuracy driven, but not too far off. The Players' Championship, you know, Charles Schwab are, are looking at some of the best events that he has had um, in the past. He did have a, that, that fifth at Marco Simone, you were right. RSM Classic, another big one for him that he has played well at. So, um, I just think overall, this is this is what I would look for uh, for Aaron Rye. And at the same exact price at 55 to one, uh, I just have a tough time, especially after we had a discussion about this last week that really got my mind turning was Sep Straka 55s. I bet Sep, I think for the last month, um, you know, and it been paid off handsomely in the past, hitting him at the Honda, um, you know, at the Open Championship at a deep number when he hit the each way. It was not on a John Deere Classic, but he is a better driver of the golf ball than we give him credit for. He's going to what, gain off the tee. I mean, he lost in four events, and that was it on the calendar year. Um, he's going. He hasn't missed to the field in accuracy since the RBC Heritage in April. Um, and his spike irons are, are what you're going to need in a week like this to me. Um, so, which he did at the Tour Championship. He did at the Open Championship. You know, he did at the PGA Championship, the Memorial. Like, he has this in his bag of tricks uh, to be the best iron player in the field and to put the absolute lights out. So, to not have um, any experience here at, at Wentworth, again, we talked about it with other guys, but I think... I think the world is set, truthfully. He would be the the captain selection that I would probably be running out quite a bit next to Aberg. Um, you know, not together, but in a lot of matches, 
Um, even I don't know. I just, I just think he's so deserving. He is very well informed, very well can spike in any event against any field. He has shown it in the past, and I think it can happen once again here against the world's best. Yeah, when we talked about our picks, like and you, you said Stracker, he was the one I was a bit down on, and I think you're selling me. Like I think I think the thing is with Stracker, and you've done a good job of selling Stracker and Rye to me because they're they're two people I hadn't really had on my radar coming in. But when you look at Stracker, just from a completely like raw like numbers first second miscut 63rd 37th 6th like the sixth being the 72 hole scoring at um the tour championship and the second being at the open championship my my one concern a little bit with tracker is he's never really done it on the dp world tour i mean i know the second on the open championship is what you know you could definitely point to that um he's just never I guess you would probably wouldn't think the same about Billy Horschel, though, is one thing I would say. Like, Billy Horschel wouldn't have been someone that you'd expect and put your flag on playing really good at the DP World Tour. And now, every time he comes over onto the DP World Tour, we think he's great value because he's a good PJ Tour player that's played here in the past. So maybe Stracker gets that title in the year after, you know, finishing fourth here this week. So I think it is probably a bit to ask him to go and win again. Um, but I don't see, you know, I cut what argument I make from him not winning to Hoygaard not winning is going to be very slim. So, um, yeah, I, I do like your reasoning. I think two um, events in which this is hard to say because ball striking plays at every event, but just like yeah. I did with Rye, right? You look at where he has had a ton of success. I mean, if you look at this year in 2023, Open Championship second, that PGA Championship at Oak Hill, you had to strike the ball, right? It was no doubt around it. Um, John Deere, sure, you know, you might just have to put the lights out. Um, East Lake, another good performance. 2022, his top four performances. Uh, the Honda Classic, you're not playing around with anything there. You have to absolutely strike the ball. Memphis, St. Jude, same thing. It, it's just a ball striker's paradise. TPC, um, uh, uh, Players Championship, Sawgrass, right? You have to, you know, be in that caliber. Heritage, East Lake again, like, uh, he's he can putt, he can lead a field in ball striking. I think that at 55 to one, to me is is phenomenal. And why I think so highly of Sep overall. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I was gonna have a a spot here for another 100 to one shot that I hadn't really picked. Um, and I, I was having an R in between a couple of them, and I'll go into that when we get to that kind of triple digit range. But I think I think there's probably a space on the card for one of these 51 guys instead, and it, it might be right. Um, I'm just really impressed with the, the two back-to-back picks you've given there in, in a range where I wasn't really uh, looking past Nikolai Hoygaard. Perfect. Well, I appreciate that. And um, we do, both of us, go into the triple digits now in our next selections. Um, is there anybody in the 50 to 100 range that would have caught your eye? I, honestly, it was hard for me. Like, I thought you might be showing up with your Bjorn Olsen, even though he hasn't had any success at Wentworth. His irons were very good last week again, um, but couldn't find it for me. I've seen Bob tipped a couple times, um, Yannick Paul even, but Dietrich so, was tough when he sniffed the leaderboard like usual. I, I don't have much here. I thought Dietrich might be the kind of sneaky pick. Like I thought he's been playing decent golf on the PJ Tour and similar to kind of what Aaron Rye has been doing. He has got the fifth place finish here last year. Um, but I wonder where he'd have been like, you know, the opposite to um, where who, whoever was on that last year uh, earlier in the show about um, if they'd gone four, four rounds, he'd have been better off. I think Dietrich's potentially the, the, the opposite. Like he was 13th after round one, third after round two, and then fifth after round three. I feel like he'd have shot a 73 and been 12. So he might benefit from uh, it being cut down. I think for me, I was close on Jordan Smith just because I think the skill set is so right. Yeah. And the two players that I've been having an R in that I really don't know what to do here. So Yost Lauten was 100 to 1, and he's been inside the top 12 his last two starts, inside the top 10 in strokes can approach and T screen in both of those. His ball striking has just been incredible, right? But even though he's had three top 20s here since 2010, he's never really contended. And to think about all those years where he's been a top player on the DPO tour for most of that, um, I was slightly concerned by it. And then I thought Yannick Paul was was a big price at 100 to 1. But I think I'm better served to go into the Aaron Rye or Sepp Strecker range um, and picking up one of those instead of 
picking between those two. So no, Olison interesting, really good with his irons again last week. Um, first in strokes gain approach. I just the results are not coming. So where is the guy that I'm going to go to yeah. next? The results are coming with the ball striking. Um, if I'm leaving Loughton out based on you know not being able to do better than 13th or 14th here, I'm certainly not going to pick Olison who generally speaking, misses a cut every time he plays it. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, so I'm skipping Alex Fitzpatrick, even though an off week was totally fine. I mean, he was somewhat in the mix through 36 um, uh, and gets uh, one of the few sponsors exemptions here, which is, is good for him and deserving so. But I'm still high on, on Guido Migliazzi. I think, you know, it's it's set us up for a consistent stretch of golf in which we haven't seen in a good amount of time out of Guido. Um, he had uh, a strong week last year. I think I probably made the argument if we gave him 18 more holes, he probably would have won at Wentworth, of course, right? Uh, where he finished 13th last year. Um, that's finished for him. But you keep looking on what he does well, um, and, and that's a little bit of everything, right? Off the tee was uh, positive last week approach. He was positive, had a really good Friday. Didn't chip it great, putted it well. Um, so we're now since the Porsche European Open back in June, um, since his last missed cut, we're back-to-back 13th and 16th. Um, he's won, of course, I mean, I think the world of him, but very frustrated on the weekend, right? I mean, you're sitting there at nine under going into the weekend with three or four guys in front of you, and you fall back on the leaderboard, right? You you put up any type of round, um, and it, it could have been really special over uh, the weekend with some big names on that leaderboard. But does Wentworth scream to me the best Guido Migliazzi fit? Probably not, but um, he has, um, I think, improved that accuracy overall with the driver to be field average. Um, and he's just an overall, like, either better than the field or, or right around the average in all four categories, which, which plays. So 125 to one for somebody in decent form popped at Wentworth last week or last year. Uh, and the fact that it's Guido Migliazzi means yes. So I think Guido is the perfect example of what I said earlier about course experience over course form, right? Guido played here three times, missed three cuts, but then finished 13th. When you look at the missed cuts, like 74, 72, he was just outside the cut line. 73, 73, a little bit further out of the cut line, but not far off. And then 71, 76. So he's, he struggled to break 70 all, all of those three starts. And then last year, 368. Like, did he infinitely become an infinitely better player over the course of a year? No. Like, if anything, he was probably a better player in the other appearances, right? So to me, it's just, okay, I've been around here three times now. I've played six rounds of golf at this tournament, never made the cut. What am I doing wrong? And he probably just looks back at a few of those holes and goes, I can save a shot here, save a shot there. Lo and behold, he's 13. So, um, look, I, I have, I'm have, i not going to try and talk about Guido Migliozzi. It's not worth it. Um, I would say that he still keeps throwing that one random round in. Um, but that's why he's 125 to one rather than 70, which is probably where his ability level sits, I guess, in the betting market. Uh, agree with you. I I was very close, um, or even like similar to the the line of thinking on, on your next selection here that I think makes a ton of sense. That gets a little worrisome when he's on top of the leaderboard, um, but when you have places uh, at 150 to one, I think this uh, is a great selection. Yeah, Connor seemed like he he was the reason I left Lauten out or or really struggled to put Lauten in. Right, it was just. He's been hitting the ball as well as, as anyone. Fourth, first, and fourth his last three weeks in strokes gain approach. Fourth, second, and sixth in strokes gain sees green. That's not all been in bad fields. Like Crowns was a good field because people were getting Ryder Cup picks. Irish Open last week had Rory, Horschel, Scott, Mimu Lee, etc. So he's he's doing it in good fields. Um, adding the fact that he's actually fourth, third, and seventh in his past three starts in terms of actual finishing positions. I think it's probably too much to expect him to win Sky, like the first ever tournament he's going to win at Wentworth. But all I would say is that he's built up the kind of experience without necessarily having the scar tissue of completely throwing one away. Like he's been close and and maybe should have converted one by now, but not, you can't point to one and go like, that's the one he should have won, or at least I can't think of it. Maybe it was during COVID. Um, But you know, it was, it was a backdoor kind of seventh place finish last week where you find around 66 in, you know, conditions where people weren't shooting their best scores. He was second after 54 holes at Crowns and finished third. I thought he was really impressive, actually, over the final two 
rounds there, which is Heiberg uh, really being so good. And then the ISPS Handery got better as the week went on. So, look, he's only played here once. So rather than Guido, who played here three times to figure it out, um, it's slightly different. But he made the cut that one time, barely. But he finished, you know, 68th. Um, I don't know. You, you don't know where that, you know, he could have had a really good Sunday round and finished 30th or 25th and people are looking at him very differently this week we don't know because he was robbed of that fourth round so I just think the way he's been playing the course fit I think is actually really good based on his iron play and I don't think he's necessarily a terrible scrambler um maybe it's I been should... kind of bad that's my one fear like, yeah his around the green game can get bad it, it is statistically for strokes going around the green but I wonder what it's like for actually like just like traditional scrambling stats like yeah I don't know, like probably exactly the same. Like maybe that is the, the worry, but like I, th- I think he can overcome it. Like at Crans, he was just negative on strokes going around a green and finished third. Like I think if he can do something similar to that um, and couple it with a better putting week than what he's been showing, like ultimately the short game is what's holding him back from winning. The approach play is, um, is unbelievable. The off the tee game is getting better. Um, it's just can he get up and down? And, and if he can, then, you know, he was a great price at 150 looking back. Yeah, I mean, anybody with that form, and especially around what the key metrics that you look at, and he's 115 to 1, you can you have to take a long, hard look at that. Yeah. Uh, so, understandably so, um, there. I round out uh, my betting card with the golfer who absolutely lit the world on fire through about 30 holes last week. Um, Shibaka Sharma, you know, he, what, he cleared like a six-stroke lead at one point on yeah. Friday. <laughs> Um, I think he had nine putts through the first nine holes. You know, the, the putting was very unsustainable, but what he had popped again was with those irons. The last time we had saw those irons with the open championship in which he finished T eighth there. And I don't think enough credit was given Sharma, um, on Sunday, he was he like in the last group or the second to last group shot 70. It was a bogey free 70 when he led the field in strokes gained approach on that Sunday. That's pretty rock solid for somebody who hasn't been in that moment in a good amount of time, um, you know, overall. And, and yeah, he, he gained 4.28 strokes with his irons, which second to, or he was first above Sepp Straka. No surprise. You know, when we look at uh, iron play, uh, but those two were over four strokes per round in that event or that round, and nobody else was over three. So when the lights were on Sharma recently at the Open Championship, he did deliver, just hadn't come through with the putter, which we have seen. But I think the real argument when you look um, at Sharma at this price with the recent pops is the way he has played Wentworth in the past. Yeah. 17th and a ninth place finish in three or two of his four starts. Every single time he has been here, he's gaining over a stroke per round with his irons. Um, so a recent pop multiple times, recent history, or I guess overall history for him showing well here and the price. I think it's a great combo for somebody we saw, you know, be in the stage. I'm not scared with him winning any event. I don't view last week as like a, a fail or anything. Could have definitely capitalized way more than he did, but I still don't mind seeing Sharma on leaderboards and being afraid of a Sunday. So to get him, I guess he's 175 to one now with six places here in the States. Uh, I really like Sharma a lot. Yeah, I, I think for me, the the course form is actually even better than it looks as well. When he was 17, he was third after 54 holes and he shot a 76. When he was 48, he was pretty solid. And then the ninth, he got better every round, 70, 69, 68, 66, really grow into it. I don't remember him being in great form last year. Maybe maybe I'm wrong when he was coming into this, but he opened with 74 and then bounced back really nicely with a 68. So actually for someone, like not many players can come here and just consistently shoot 68. And that's something that Sharma has apparently been able to do. Um, no, when he, when he came here last year, he was... Uh, he finished 12th at that International Series England. But other than that, he'd been miscut, 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 52nd, miscut. So he wasn't in form last year. So the fact that he missed the cut is not a massive surprise. Like I said to you, with Wentworth, it's you can't come here without your game. He didn't have it that year. Uh, every other time that he's come here, he's been pretty good. So yep. another one, Sky, that I'm, I'm finding hard to uh, to push against. Yeah, I was a big fan of him. Um 
I could see Sammy Valamaki popping again. Yeah, I thought uh, you were going to go with him. I, uh, he I was thought the him one. and Tom Hoagie, I thought, were the two people that you might come to me with. Yeah, Tom was just so bad last week. Yeah. He was so bad, man. I could, couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, Valamaki was on the very much of a short list. 200, somebody who his, his debut here, um, like Sharma, was a lot of success. And I believe he was inside the top 10, at least after the first round. Um, had, had a really, really good... Uh, time and that's when he was playing well he's playing well once again had that open championship scottish open and then uh fourth place right after that so a lot to love about valamaki um for the first time tom i came prepared for a really really good long shot too that i loved um going to the event wasn't an amateur somebody who had a lot of success here um except he wasn't in the field and that was kiradash afi barnrat i would yes. absolutely I bet him. like he was like didn't he lead like something last week like he was up there in t screen or approach or something like that um, yeah he, he was third in approach and he was second and third on saturday and sunday yeah. category and he's done so well here too yeah i was i was shocked that i'm guessing he just didn't get in right but yeah, he's like eight spots to the out. So if we get a yeah. surprise Affy Barnrett, that's a first round leader bet right there. Yeah, I'd give him I'd give him the look. But my final pick um is Masahiro Karamura, who is three hundred twenty. He's been in discussions recently in kind of certain events that he can pop at. He's got two top ten finishes past four starts, one of them at the Barbasol Championship and the other one at Crans. Second earlier in the season in Kenya, we talk about kind of like claustrophobic Parkland golf courses. That's one of them different slightly because elevation. But he's got great course history here, 20th, 17th and 18th. So going like Sharma, he's one that's really impressed um, in, you know, his three or four starts. Here. I think he missed the cut on debut ages ago. But really consistent performance from someone who you wouldn't expect it from. He's not, he's not a top tier player that you expect to play well here every year. He just does. Um, and when he was 20th, on that, that first of those three runs, he was 10th after 54 holes. When he was 17th a year later, he was 4th after round 1, 8th after round 2. And then just last year, he was 11th after round 2. Um, and then the event was obviously shortened to 54 holes and he fell away a bit. But I honestly think Moore is playing plenty well enough to take advantage of the courses that he likes. And 300 to 1, I mean, we eight places over here in the UK. I think you probably get five or six when you, you do it in the States for each way. But 300 to 1, I thought was massive. Yeah, that form. I mean, it's a, it's the same methodology, right? History, yeah. hopping, and and feel comfortable here, like and a big price. Yep, totally can understand um, Kawamura being the pick of the litter um, towards the end of the odds boards. We were disappointed in Sean Crocker's return, um, and now there's like a five x price on him, right? What is it, like five hundred now? Did you see how well he played though in missing that cut? Like how yeah. many birdies and eagles he made? He was, I think it was like. 10 birdies and two eagles or something it was yeah. like insane right like someone messaged me on the weekend and he was like you know do i make it that it's 10 birdies and two eagles that he's missed the cut by like three and i was like yep that looks about right like yeah. he had three double bogeys and just was on a bogey train for most of the week but i've personally witnessed sean crocker just basically pound fairways and greens here uh, i think he finished ninth that year I actually think, I mean, what was he, like 800 to 1 or 600 to 1 or something this week? No, 500 to 1 he is now. Um, I think a 500 to 1 is it's a bet to nothing with Sean Brocker that you just hope he can go back to what he's been like um, and forget about last week. I mean, the, the winning upside, uh, the, the scoring upside was there last week with the two Eagles and 10 birdies. So if he can keep those mistakes off his card, uh, 500 to 1 will be like massive at the end of the week. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And in and inform Sean Crocker, this would be a type of event I would love him at too. Like if he was in form and like, I get yeah. that you can't make someone 50 to one when they're not in form and you wouldn't want to bet it, but 500 to one seems a bit of an overreaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I look through it, I, I was impressed. Nick Bacham finished um, seventh. Yeah. I, I think he still fits the category of just whales it with the driver and showing up at Wentworth is going to be tough for him, but uh, two good weeks. He's definitely on the short list when we get back to a, a course that might might fit more of the, the side of it. Freddie Scott actually did similar until the weekend kind of pulled away from him, but he was like sixth, I think, after um, 36 holes. That was really guys down the board that that at least stood out to me. Was there anybody else? Todd Clements, again, you know, way down there for just winning an event. Todd Clements is playing well. His ball striking has been good. Um, Oliver Wilson's been second here in the past. He was 23rd last year, and he's had a couple of spike events, and he's a 1,000 to 1. Um, but I 
don't know necessarily I can see him contending or winning. And someone that's been really consistent in this golf course is Rafa Cabrera-Bello, 600 yes. to 1. So if you're looking for some of these kind of cheaper guys for fantasy, I think him, Wilson, um, Crocker are people that I, th- I genuinely think could make a difference. Shot you just said there could make a difference in your lineups. And Scott Jameson's 401, he's hitting the ball pretty well as well. So yeah. these players, I think, can make a real difference in lineups, but I don't really see enough in them to bet them. Yeah, totally agree. All right, uh, we'll put a bow on it. We'll make sure that we give a shout out to our audio listeners. Um, you can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix, um, supported by Mayo Media Network. You can rate, review, subscribe, like. The last couple of weeks for us have been some of the biggest downloads in show history. Aligns with the DFS opportunity, but also some really big events that we've had on the DP World Tour. And there's none other than Wentworth right this week. Um, they're going to have the Open Day France um, next week. And then we go into the Ryder Cup the following week. So um, big, big opportunities here. We appreciate all of the listeners' interactions. Uh, I think there's been a lot of fun had in the DP World Tour DFS streets the last couple of weeks uh, for for those that follow the show. So thank you guys again for the support as always and and appreciate um, that. Tom, can you run down your betting card one more time for me? Yes, I'm going. uh, Tom Kim at 28 to 1. Nikolai Hoygaard at 40 to 1. Uh, Connor Syme at 150 to 1, and Masahiro Kawamura at 300 to 1. And Sky, I'm really torn between looking at kind of adding Rye or Strapper in that 50 55 to 1 range that you've mentioned, or even going to your Shabanka Sharma pick at 125 to 1. So I will add one of those. I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, if I do, I'll potentially tweet it out. But um, just know that I'm of the listeners that I'm on one of those three going into the week. Perfect. I am on Ludwig Eberg, 25 to 1 win only. Tom Kim, um, you can get him 25 with the six places um, here in the States or to 28 on the win only. Aaron Rye uh, and Sepp Straka, both are 55 to 1 with the each way there to out to six places. Guido Migliazzi, 125 with the each way two. And then Chewbacca Sharma is 175 to 1 with the places in the States. So big number there, um, big week. Uh, nothing better when the eyeballs are on us, Tom, to have a, a winner here. So hopefully Wentworth can be very pleasant for us and we can lead into uh, uh, the Ryder Cup with a lot of style here. Yeah, I mean, the Tom Kim win would be nice, wouldn't it? If we're both aligning on him. Um, yeah. And look, there, there's some great selections there. Some good reasoning, I think, um, personally. And I'm looking forward to the week. It's, it's always a good one at Wentworth. Yes, everybody enjoy. We appreciate it again, your support. and We'll catch you next week. Thanks again. 